1: Who gon' stop me high? Breathtaking a hey, move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave, the soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold
0: up. Welcome. <laughs> hey, it's Juneteenth! Okay? It's supposed to be a national day of celebration. So, why am I pissed off? There's a lot of reasons why. I'll get into all that. Oh! And there was also a basketball trade that took place. Go figure. Stephen A. Smith Show in the house. Let's get it. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Stephen A. Smith Show, coming at you as I love to do at least every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, live, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific, right here on YouTube. As usual, we're in our studios, thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the Stephen A. Smith Show. I got a lot to get into today, a whole bunch of stuff to get into, and some of it ain't going to be sports, but I assure you, you want to stick around and hear what I have to say, because I'm only going to say it once. I'm only going to say it once. Got a lot of stuff in my mind. I'm letting this stuff hang because I got a damn echo in my ear, which hopefully will be fixed any second now. Listen, I'll get into that. And I got my man Nate Burleson from CBS, some CBS in the morning coming on, uh, former NFL player doing a hell of a job as far as I'm concerned. Spoke to me years ago about what he was trying to do. Really proud of what he's doing and what he's striving to do moving forward. He's big time. No question about it. Looking forward to having that conversation. And I'll get into a few other things as well. It ain't politics. Ain't politics. When I'm talking about racism, it ain't politics. When I'm talking about black and white issues, it ain't politics. When I'm talking about stuff that plagues us as a society, it ain't politics. You're going to hear me talking politics, but I got some people whose ass I want to get in, figuratively speaking, and I'll bring that up a little bit later. For the moment, let me get to Kevin Durant and the Phoenix Suns. Congratulations. Bravo. Uh, Chris Paul moves out, Landry Shamet moves out, about four second-round picks moves out in favor of acquiring Bradley Beal of the Washington Wizards. Okay, he's joining Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. Let me make it simple for y'all, please. They ain't the damn favorites in the Western Conference. Let's get that over with right now. I don't give a damn that Bradley Beal and Devin Booker and Kevin Durant are playing together. They ain't the favorites in the Western Conference. That would happen to be the reigning defending NBA champion, Denver Nuggets. And by the way, there's a few other teams that I wouldn't rule out knocking Phoenix off unless they build a roster. It's all right to have a big three offensively who's going to play some defense for you. What about your depth? How's that going to work out? Now, Bradley Bill can ball, no question about it, ladies and gentlemen. And since John Wall departed a few years ago, he's been the number one option for the Washington Wizards. He got a $250 million contract in large part due to his relationship with Ted Leonsis, the owner for the Washington Wizards. I get all of that too. Bradley Beal is no scrub. He can ball. He can play. Make no mistake about that. Averaging over 23 points per game. One season he averaged about 31, 30, nearly 32 a game. Some people in the nation's capital have lamented his presence or lack thereof in crunch time, but guess what? He led the league in clutch time points this season. So he shows up most of the points that he's averaged this season came in the fourth quarter. He averaged more points in the fourth quarter than he did in any other quarter. But here's the big number that you need to to pay attention to. The Washington Wizards over the last 5 years, four of which they've missed the playoffs. 32 and 50, 25 and 47, 34 and 48, 35 and 47, this past season 35 and 47 again. The man has missed 74 games over the last 2 years. Now, I don't know about anybody else, but the best ability is availability. And if you ain't available, how much ability do you really have? Now, I suspect that thing is going to change. And that Bradley Beal combined with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant is going to be lethal offensively, at least two of the three are going to be on the court at all times because, you know, somebody's going to get injured or they're going to sit up there taking time off due to injuries during the regular season. Okay, no problem. Frank Vogel's your new coach, knows something about winning championships, just won with the Lakers in the bubble three years ago. Obviously, he knows something about being in the conference finals because he's done that three times in his career. Obviously, he knows something about defense because he's usually coaching one of the elite defenses in basketball. But here's the deal. You got to build out a roster. And we don't know if the Phoenix Suns are going to do that. We know they got an owner in Ishbeer, Matt Ishbeer, former walk-on at Michigan State, who's now the owner of the Phoenix Suns, who out, you know, uh, Robert Sarver had to get booted out of the NBA. He purchased a franchise for over $4 billion. He's got deep pockets. And with the new collective bargaining agreement, very, very difficult to align three superstars on the same, on the same team. You got four dudes all getting paid over $32 million this upcoming season. In DeAndre Ayton, in Kevin Durant, in Devin Booker, in Bradley Beal. I get it. And I'm one of those guys that thinks Devin Booker is Kobe-esque. The brother special. He's absolutely sensational. Those two games against Denver that they won shooting 80% from the field, 60% from three-point range, there's no question he's that dude. And by the way, having him with the ball in his hands, playing the point guard position is is scary. Because you know he's looking to score. And he'll take you to school. And he's lethal. He was certainly more lethal than even the great Kevin Durant was in a postseason series against the Denver Nuggets in the conference, Western Conference semifinals. But having said all of that, I don't think they're a better championship candidate than the Denver Nuggets, the Boston Celtics, the Milwaukee Bucks. I'm sorry, I'm not sold. Hell, I throw the Lakers up in there right now. Because at least they're going to play some defense with Anthony Davis on that front line when he shows up, of course. And Darvin Ham has shown an ability to make adjustments. But that is not why I brought up this subject about them in terms of just playing a game of basketball. The thing that really rubbed me the wrong way. And I preface my comments by reminding you I love me some Bradley Bill. Brother Kimball, no doubt about it. Good dude, too. What the hell was he doing with a no trade clause? How the hell that happened? What have you done in terms of winning basketball games that would position you to have a no-trade clause? No wonder Tommy Shepard got fired as the head of basketball operations for the Wizards a few months ago. Maybe that wasn't his fault. Maybe it was Ted Leonsis who did it. Because Bradley Beal has built a level of affinity and affection with the owner for the Wizards over some time now. Been there the entire 11 years of his career. But I'm just saying, no trade clause, no trade. For those of you who don't understand what a no trade clause is, that means a team can't just trade you anywhere. They have to to receive your permission, A, to trade you, and B, where they trade you. You have to make, you get to make that call, not the team. What the hell did Bradley Beal do to deserve that? Let me get this out of the way right now, because I want to get to my man Nate Burleson before I get back on some other bigger cop, the big, big topics uh, to address. You know, a matter of fact, I'm going to save that. I don't want to reveal that just yet. I'm going to wait just a few minutes because I don't understand for the life of me how the hell Bradley Beal. Had a no trade clause in his contract. Waived a 15% trade kicker, by the way. A trade kicker is when, if they trade you to a team, let's say, for example, you're owed $100 million on your deal. The team that acquires you has to give you a $15 million bonus up front. That's a a 15% trade kicker. In order for the trade to go through, they have to pay you 15% or whatever is remaining on your contract. He waived that. It's so kind of him. He waived that for the Phoenix Suns because that's where he wanted to end up. And they picked up the remaining $207 million on this deal because that's how much he's owed over the next four years. As far as I'm concerned, there's only five players in the league in the National Basketball Association who deserve a no, I'm sorry, a no trade clause in their contracts. Only five. I'll tell you who those are in a few minutes. But right now, I want to get to my man here because I want to talk about him for a second. He is the co-host of the CBS Morning Show. He's a former NFL wide receiver. He's got his own pod. He's a podcast host. And as I told you, he's the co-host of the CBS Morning Show with, m- with my friend, the lovely Gail King as well. I'm talking about the man, the myth, the legend himself. He's becoming a legend. The one and only Nate Burleson is here with me right now. What's going on, big time? How are you, man? How's everything?
2: What's going on, baby? I appreciate you. It's an honor to be on your show. Um, thank you for having me on. Hey, before we get to anything, yes. though, I, I would love to talk some basketball. Contrary sure. to popular belief, go, go, go ahead. NBA, go ahead. that's that's where my love is. You know what I'm saying? I'm a hooper at heart. So you were just talking about the Suns. We know Matt Ishbia; he does have deep pockets. The question is, after they get done doing what they need to do, getting ready for next season, Will those deep box pockets turn into a deep bench? Because right now it's not looking like they're going to have enough to take well, the Nuggets out. Nuggets, by far, are the better team.
0: Well, that's very astute. Assur- with- that, 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 that's very astute on your part. I mean, damn it, if I could talk football, you could talk basketball. So I'm very, very proud of you to know that with your busy schedule, working on the NFL Network, working on CBS rather, doing CBS morning show stuff as well, you still find time in your busy schedule to watch basketball, Nate Burleson, because that's a very astute point on your part. You're not gonna have have enough dollars to go out there and get a bitch, which brings this into question, Nate. Are you going to be able, if you're Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, knowing that the three of you guys are going to be the ones shooting the ball, are you going to be able to pull a LeBron? Are you going to be able to pull a Steph Curry and be able to attract cats to one and play with you in Phoenix? That's a legitimate question. You think they're going to be able to pull that off? They're going to have to do that. If Durant wants to win another title,
2: And Book and Aiden want to get their first title. They're going to have to attract guys. They got to get on the horn. They got to call, text, go kick it with dudes. Go to Cabo, Tulum, wherever you got to go. Talk to guys and try to get them to Phoenix. But you made a good point about Book being a point because I was a point in high school. And you know, when you're the floor general, you're not only going to be able to direct the ball and get the offense going, but it can be exhausting at times. Just think about LeBron all those years when he had to play point God slash power forward. That can be exhausting. I just hope they bring in a point guard to take the pressure off of all them shooters. Wait a minute. I know Fred Van Vliet is out there, but Fred Van Vliet is going to be expensive. I, That's my top. I, I, three whoa, 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 right
0: Van Vliet ain't going to Phoenix. They don't have enough to go I get know, him. I know, go, I know. But I will tell you this. I don't know if I agree with you on that point. When I saw CP3 go down and Devin Booker had the ball in his hands at he the one busy. playing point. This brother was a nightmare. I don't know if I have a problem with, with Devin Booker being the one. Hell with bringing a point guard in, Nate Broston. Let him stand the point. You're talking about a playoff
2: run, though. What about for 82 games? You're asking one of the top killers in the NBA to play point guard slash shooting guard for 82 weeks? Oh, I hear, are, you, are you ready for this?
0: Are you ready for this? One could easily argue it might be easier for him because if he got the ball in his hands, he don't have to run around through picks and screens and all of this other stuff just to get open enough to get the ball. You're going to give it to him anyway. So what's wrong with just having him dribble the ball up the damn court himself? I don't see a problem with that, Nate.
2: I feel like there has to be a three-headed monster of guys bringing the ball up the court. And okay. that's going to give defenses fits. If you got Bill right. Durant and also Book bringing the ball up, right. there's no way you can stop
0: that. Well, listen, let me go into your lane with the football thing just for a quick second because I got some other okay. stuff that I want to ask you about. But just as an aside, I wasn't going to bring this up, but since you said you <laughs> want to talk some sports for a second. Yeah, let's talk. Let's talk. Listen, listen, I saw that damn video on, I think it was Twitter, uh, Russell Wilson working out
1: and, Ooh, and, and, and,
0: and let me tell you you're you're entitled to check me you're my brother you know I love you you could check me if I'm wrong Nate Burleson when I saw that video I was so disgusted with him let me tell you why I was disgusted with him what you're doing trying to show off that you know what you you working out and you got all these stretch exercises and you doing your sit-ups acting like you're your own human Pilates instructor and all of this other stuff you know what I thought about Nate I said to myself yo damn Russell Wilson are you trying to say that's what you didn't do? Coming in the last season? After you got two hundred plus million and plus million and 165 million guaranteed. Now, if he was showing that last season, leading in the last season, I'm I'm down for it. I'm down for it. But after you play like straight garbage, have the worst season of your career, okay? Only completed 60% of your passes, all right? Didn't win any damn games of any of any significance, missed the playoffs in a whole bit, and Sean Payton had to come up in there and let you know, oh, you ain't gonna operate under your own rules. You're gonna be a part of this team. Now Here you are showing all your drills and everything. I'm like, wait a minute. It made me think, is that what you didn't do last year, which is why you look so bad?
2: To that you say. I love that that you brought that up. I love that you brought that up. You know, I've been a Russell Wilson fan for a long time because he joined the Seahawks. So have I. He brought a championship to my city. So I'll forever be indebted to him for that. Now, for a long time, because he played so well, whenever he was in the offseason, he was in Hawaii throwing touchdowns in the sand to his boys like this was a cut scene from an 80s movie. I was digging it. Even when he's kicking it over the summer in the offseason, hanging out, training, but not really training. Is he doing it for the team or is he doing it for the game, for the gram? I was a little bit of an apologist. I'm gonna be real with you. OK, but last year it all hit the fan. Now, let's keep it real. Russell Wilson be the first to raise his hand and hopefully say, I didn't play well. But at the same time, the play calling was terrible. The offense was, was anemic and they just didn't have any rhythm on offense. So this is not all Russell Wilson's fault. I'll tell you what I did notice because I thought the same thing. I'm looking at Russell sliding across that board with his hand on the football, one hand on the band. And I'm thinking to myself, is he out here trying to prove that he's working out or is he actually putting in the work that he needs to make this work with the Broncos? I noticed out of all that, those videos, that looked like a montage from an old school Rocky movie, that he looked thinner. And so? one of my biggest concerns, one of my biggest concerns last year is that Russell Wilson, the magic man, one of the best pocket quarterbacks I've ever seen, just didn't move like he used to move. And I feel like Russell Wilson lost a little bit of weight. He's going to be more agile, which is going to
0: add right. that dynamic playmaking right. ability right. that we once right. saw when he was a Seattle CEO. And what I'm saying to you, Nate Burlson, is this. I don't disagree with a a single syllable you uttered. My point is, you're a veteran. You've been in the league. I'm looking at him right now. He's been in the league 11 years, which means whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. you're doing now, you knew you were supposed to do that last year. And you didn't do fact. it. You forced yourself out of Seattle. You wanted your own your own shine instead of being under the umbrella of Pete Carroll. Right. You went to Denver, got Nathaniel Hackett up in there, knowing he was in over his head. You sitting there speaking up for him because he was supportive of you standing on your own and operating under your own rules and regulations. Almost to the point when one of your offensive linemen got in your face and wanted to beat you down because you got his boy traded for you to arrive and you wasn't doing what you were supposed to do. So my only point is— that. My only point is everything he's doing now, he knew he was supposed to do that last year. He took it for granted. And that's the crime is what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying, Nate. I'm not saying anything more than that. All right?
2: Yeah, no doubt. And listen, sometimes some of
0: these players and mostly QBs,
2: they win championships, get a little money. They get a little big time. It's been a long time since he brought that Humble you. That's right. I think he had a slice of humble pie last year. Yeah. Russell Wilson will be back. He in better be.
0: He conversation. He better be. But I will say this: Denver does have Sierra, so that you 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 are winning. You're winning there. Hey, Denver you know, does all have they Sierra. Was I mean, one, they, they do have their Sierra. way to the Super Bowl. Sierra's, Sierra's there. Denver will recover. Let me get to you, man. Because I, first thing I want to say is that. You partnered with a brand, with a watch brand, Shinola. Shinola. Yep. I want you to talk about what, what, how that came about, and, and what that means to you, and why.
2: Well, shout out to Falcon um, putting together the team and introducing us. I was familiar with the brand before Shinola because I'm a Detroit guy, and by that I mean I spent four years in Detroit. I feel like an adopted son. And it's an American brand. It's a Detroit brand. So I'd already purchased plenty of watches and product from the brand. So when I heard about this collaboration and what they wanted to do for Father's Day, I thought it was unique. You know, we wake up as fathers and, you know, we're gonna get the socks and the tie, and maybe a little extra uh, tools for the tool set. But I wanted to give a gift to my kids. I wanted to give a watch that really could cement what I wanted to create when it came to a legacy. And that's what Chanel is it's creating a timeless legacy with my children. And I I, got, I was able to get three watches, put our last name on the back, I also got one from my wife. So before they even gave me a gift, before I woke up and had breakfast in bed and, and opened the cards, I gifted them time because you know, like I know, time is so limited. We have long days, short nights, yeah. early mornings. So when we decide to do anything, whether it's work related or it's personal, it's time that we choose to make with our friends, family, or work. And for me, I wanted to make sure when my kids look down at a timepiece, they could remember all the time that I spent with them. Because as much as people see me on TV, I spend twice as much time with my family, and that's the most important thing. So Shinola really captured that in one moment, and we popped the videos up on my Instagram, Twitter, all my social media, Shinola.com had it up. We made basically a short film of me going and picking out the watches and then on a separate day, bringing my boys back who are now 19 and 17 and really having this intimate conversation about what time means to us, mm-hmm. what a legacy piece means to us. Because in a black community, sometimes we choose not to pass down things that mean the most. We, we choose to pass down things that will fade over time. I don't want what I pass down to my kids to fade, whether it's something that I'm teaching them or something that I'm giving them. Mm -hmm. We praise the royal family for the jewels that they pass down, the family heirlooms that they pass down. And I I just want to start creating that type of generational pride. And, mm -hmm. And sometimes you can do that in a materialistic nature with a Beautiful yeah. brand,
0: let's like know. I'm gonna let you know this though. I don't know how much we praise in the royal family in this day and age, but I'll say t- I'll leave that. Yeah, yeah, for yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, need, no, I don't I, need I, that subject for another, another day. Tools, I, feel, you know <laughs> <saying>? <laughs> I feel you. you. know, one of the things that I, I, I thought about because watching you uh, as a as a former professional athlete, you're doing such great work. I think about Michael Strahan and I think about yourself as two good as two dudes that are just setting a new kind of standard. Uh, you know, in terms of the modern day athlete transitioning in the bigger roles. Um, Down the line, obviously, once your career, once your professional playing career is over as a father, because this is where I'm at. This is where I'm going here. As a father, I imagine that when you were out on the field. Yes, you're playing for excellence. Yes, you're playing to win, but you're also playing to provide for your family. Yep, being on television. I get the sense that there's a greater, even greater responsibility that hits you when you know millions of people are watching you every morning on the tube actually communicate and conveying messages and to some degree dictating narratives. Talk to me about how your life has changed as a father and as a man being in a role that you're in now compared to what it was
2: when you played. That's a beautiful question. Um, Stephen, you you understand the duality of working when you are in your early 20s. And at times it can be very self-serving. You know, we want to be rich. We want to be famous. We want to be heard. We want to be seen. But um, as I started to transition out of the game, I realized that it wasn't about me. It was more about my kids. And there is a responsibility being on TV. Um, Gail says it best. We have a front row seat to history and we're able to basically open up that window to the world every morning and deliver the news no matter how harsh. Um, We'll do that for two hours, and then hopefully somewhere in there we can uplift your day. I think the thing that's beautiful, and it's something that you pointed to about what we do and how we do it for our kids, when I played and someone would walk up to me, my ego would want them to say, Nate, oh, I remember that touchdown. I remember that year you put up 1,000 yards. Oh, you helped me win my fantasy. And I tell you what, man, a young Nate and would eat it up. Tell me more. Tell me how great I am. But now at 41, when someone walks up to me, I don't even want them to tell me about me as an athlete. I love it when they come up to me and compliment me for the job that I do on TV because I spent so many years chasing a Lombardi trophy and didn't get close. 11 years, playoffs, got close to a championship game, but never won that trophy. And there was a void in me and I didn't realize it until I started working in TV. And then one day I woke up and I realized the same men who make Lombardi trophies also make Emmys and I can go out and chase another type patrol. That's right. And when my kids see someone walk up to me now and they compliment me, not on my athleticism, but on my intelligence, that is the best feeling in the world because it's showing my kids that you can transition into a space outside of the athletic realm and still be even more impactful than you ever thought. So this is the most fulfilling job that I've ever had working in morning news. But as you know, I mean, you've been doing the grind and you covered it all. You've done everything from politics, um, societal issues, of course, all sports, current events. It can be exhausting. But when you know that you're doing a good deed and you're leaving your legacy behind, and I've heard you talk about this, especially recently. You've been doing a run of interviews and you talked about what you wanted to do next. And you said, I want to do it all. I'm ready to take over the world. I want to be remembered as one of the greatest minds to ever grace a microphone. And you are on that path. And, and I find myself also working, walking in those footsteps.
0: For well, sure. You got most of us beat my brother. You're doing a fabulous job. It's absolutely sensational. Before I let you get on out of here, um, that transitions nicely to your podcast because you got your podcast with iHeartRadio. The Process with Nate yep. Burleson. Uh, talk to me about that. That's the last thing I want to get into before I let you get on out of here. Let our listeners know, our viewers know what that's about and, and what inspired you to do that.
2: Yeah, so I linked up with IR Radio a while back. We landed Rihanna on the first interview to cover her Super Bowl halftime performance, and I, I wanted to dive into um, the process of how it takes to get to where people are. You know, dive a little bit deeper. I know everybody has a podcast and everybody has an angle. I just didn't want to, you know, talk to people and 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 have them express the great times, the good times, the 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 the, the, the positive things that have come out from them being successful. I want to know about the grind. I want to know about the times when people aren't paying attention. And you know, like I know, it's it's not what people see on TV that makes us good. Oftentimes we tell other people it's the reps. It's not the reps on TV. It's what we're doing when we're not on TV that allows us to be as good as we are. So um, that's what the process is. So we're
0: looking forward to building on top of that and and getting more guests. I'm going to have to lock you in pretty soon, my brother. Well, first of all, anytime you need me, you know I'm going to be there, man. I remember the conversation we had in the Bahamas and you talked about your visions, your dreams and what you wanted to do and what you were aiming to pull off. And you've done it already. And this is just the beginning, man. I mean, I'm so proud. And, you know, when I look at myself on air and the whole bit, this can't last forever. I can't do this. I'm 55. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to keep right. grinding. I'm going to do my thing and what have you. But if all I'm doing is achieving for myself and I'm not helping brothers and sisters along the way. way. I haven't accomplished the damn thing and every time I see you I'm just proud of what you're doing my man I can't say enough about the job that you're doing keep up the great work my brother you know I love you now I appreciate you and now I know you're gonna continue to do big things I love you too, man.
2: I appreciate you, man. Keep leading the way, and I know you're doing acting soon. So when they need your stump double, just
0: holla at me. You know what I'm saying? You know, I, I, got you. I feel you, Nate. I got I gotta leave town about a week, so I gotta do an NBA draft. Then after that, I gotta head down. I gotta head out to L.A. because I gotta do. Port Charles has summoned me, General Hospital on ABC. That's right. I, I, I gotta get on out. Recurring there. Recurring role. Yeah. I see. you. I gotta get on out there for that. So yeah, <laughs> you take it easy, my brother. all right? One love, baby. All right, man. Have take a good it easy. One. All right, the one and only Nate Burleson. CBS co-host. CBS this morning. Oh, he's doing a great job. Him and Michael Strahan, both, both friends of mine, doing fa- fabulous jobs, doing fantastic job. Former athletes. Former athletes in the National Football League that show up on national television every day and making waves. I'm talking about where Barbara Walters used to grace, OK, where Charlie Rose used to grace for crying out loud. I'm talking about where Robin Roberts and George Stephanopoulos and Gail King on the CBS side. I'm talking about where they, that's where Michael Strahan and Nate Burleson are doing great things. This is what I'm talking about right here. There's something special. No doubt about it. Let me get back. To the NBA and what I talked about because I was talking about Bradley Beal with that no trade clause. Bradley Beal, who's never played in the conference finals in his career. Bradley Beal. Who obviously has never played in an NBA Finals in his career? Bradley Beal, who obviously does not have a championship on his resume. And again, I'm not throwing any shade at him. He can't do it alone. We understand that the Washington Wizards franchise has been perpetually dormant or just above respectable. When him and John Wall were together, and they would get to the Eastern Conference semifinals. They were very interested. I was there for that Game Seven when they lost to the Washington, when they lost to the Boston Celtics. Okay, a few years back, I get, I I saw what Bradley Beal and John Wall could be, and I've always been a fan of Bradley Beal. But a no-trade clause, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell y'all something. There are two categories in the world of Stephen A. when it comes to stars. There are stars and then there are superstars. I was saying it throughout the NBA Finals. Jimmy Butler is a star. Jokic is a superstar, a difference maker. You know, not to say that Jimmy Butler is not a difference maker, but again, Jokic got a championship for a reason. Those first tier, number one, A-level kind of dudes that you just can't stop. But guess what else I got for you? There's two there's two categories for a superstar. There are those who are superstars on the court, and then there are those who are box office. Box office. You walk through the turnstiles to see them play. Now, Jokic isn't that dude outside of Denver. The brother was, you know, wobbling around and all that stuff. Can't jump onto a curb. Can't stop him. He's unbelievable. Obviously, that wasn't Tim Duncan's problem, but Tim Duncan was a superstar because of his production on the court, a five-time champion. But Tim, you ain't walking through no turnstiles to see Tim Duncan. Why do I call somebody like Kyrie Irving, who's only got one ring, a a, a box office? Because you walk through the turnstiles to see him play. You literally, your team could be, his team could have, they could be 20 and 40, 20 games under 500. Oh, damn, Kyrie coming to town? I'm going to see that. I'm going to see that game. I'm going to see that brother play. Obviously, LeBron and people like that. But when you talk about a no-trade clause, that takes it an even another level. Even another level. You can't have people going like this. Nah, I can't be touched. I go where I want to go. And if I want to stay, I'm staying. And I don't give a damn what, who's the president of the basketball operations or what the owner wants or whatever. I can't go unless I choose to go. You can't trade me unless I choose to allow you to trade me. I run my show. You can't have that. I mean, you just can't have that. That's very bad. That's very, very bad. So, I thought it apropos that I give you my list of people who deserve a no-trade clause. They can walk into an owner's office and want a no-trade clause, and obviously there's several people that have a no-trade clause and have had no-trade clauses in history, But so this is probably not the last time it's going to happen. But I'm talking about my list of who deserves it, and that's it. Ladies and gentlemen, I only got five people for you. Five. At number five is Jason Tatum of the Boston Celtics. Now this brother does not have a championship. But he's been to about four or five conference finals. He's been to an NBA finals. He just finished being the first Celtic to average 30 in a season. He's 6'9". Can ball from inside or outside, in the open court, et cetera. And he's 25. He's only 25 years old. If that brother walked into my office and I'm the owner of the Boston Celtics and he wants a no-trade clause, he getting a no-trade clause. He getting a no-trade clause, okay? Number four on that list. Nikolai Jokic. Do I really need to explain this? He happens to be the reigning, defending NBA champion. Can't jump onto a curb like I told you. Average the a triple-double in the postseason. Brother's unstoppable. Just big. He remind me of Tyson Fury against Deontay Wilder. When Tyson Fury sat up there, Deontay Wilder talked about knocking him out and stuff like that. Tyson Fury was like this, yo. I'm going to walk in. I'm going to weigh about 40 pounds heavier than him. I'm going to hit him. And even when I miss, I'm going to lean on him. And I'm just going to wear him out. And by the time the fight progresses, he's not going to have any legs because he's constantly pulling, pushing my heavy self off of him. That's what Jokic reminds me of. Just, just bodying up everybody, just leaning on you know what I'm saying? Your kid ain't no six-pack nowhere. Ain't no defined muscles protruding from him. None of that's going on. He's just leaning on you. You know what I mean? Even when he misses, he's just leaning on you, falling on you and all of this other stuff. No wonder he averaging 30. By the time he gets finished with you, you can't even lift your arms come the fourth quarter. It's a problem. big dude. I ain't going to say a big tub of law because some of y'all got offended about that. How about a big tub of beef? How about that? Beef, lard, whatever. Pick your poison, damn it. He's big. That's all I meant by that. I meant no disrespect. He's a big boy. He's a big boy. All of them. And he just leans on you. He deserves a no-trade clause, second-round pick. Two-time league MVP. Could have won it for a third time if he had prioritized doing it. But he prioritized winning the championship instead, and that's exactly what the hell he did. They took Minnesota out in five games. They took Phoenix out in six games. They swept the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And then they took Miami out in five. By the way, it was a foregone conclusion. Miami was never going to win that series. I was shocked they won game two, even though I had them losing the series in game six. Thought they found a way to squeeze out to the South Beach. You know, you get to South Beach, you get a little distracted. Get a little distracted. When you get a little distracted, you might, not lo- you might lose your focus and you might not be on your game. If there is ever a place that can make you lose your focus, it's Miami. Come on star. Anyway, so we got that out the way. Number three on the list are people who can ask for a no trade clause. Giannis Antetokounmpo. First of all, you're Milwaukee. They gotta hold on whatever the hell they could get. That's number one. Number two, you're a champion. Number three, you're former league MVP, former defensive player of the year, former NBA Finals MVP. You're about six foot eleven gazelle, unstoppable in the open court, averaging 28, 29, and 12 or 13, doing whatever you want. Plus, you play defense, and you ain't gonna get somebody like that in Milwaukee unless you draft them. He ain't coming in free agency. Gained 57 pounds of muscle since he got into the NBA, clearly dedicated. Is a rough rider, competes against anybody, tries to take everybody out. Giannis is big time. He can get a no trade clause. No problem, no questions asked. You should be glad he asked for no trade clause because that implies he might not want to leave. Y'all hold on to that for dear life if you're Milwaukee. Okay? So that's number three. Number two on this list is the king himself, albeit one devoid of a crown this season. His name would be LeBron James. <sighs> LeBron James, as I've said many occasions, is not Michael Jordan. Joe Budden, I don't care what the hell you say. And I ain't forget about you, bro. I'll see you soon. I'm going to take you up on that invitation, my brother. I got nothing number love for you in your podcast, by the way. Keep up the great work. And I think I saw my girl, Melissa Ford, there I'm with you one time. What's up, girl? How you doing? Long time. Let me tell y'all something. LeBron James is not the greatest player. We're not the greatest champion. Whatever you want to be, he's not the greatest who ever lived. That would be Michael Jordan. But I got him at number two. Even if you gave me Larry Bird, I'd still take LeBron James for the first 46 minutes as the greatest small forward in the history of basketball. It's really a point forward. He couldn't shoot better than Bird, everything else he could do far superior bird wasn't half the athlete he was and i love larry bird and he was mr clutch no doubt about it but lebron james is a special breed and ladies and gentlemen forget his greatness for a second spanning 20 years career 27 points per game four-time champion four-time league MVP, 10 trips to the nba finals forget all of that for a second in his 20th season, he averaged 29. In his 20th season, with Anthony Davis on his team, he was still the best player on the squad. In his 20th season, no matter where he goes, you walking through the turnstiles to see that brother play. You know, I often say this. And people call it cocky or whatever. I remember one time somebody said something about me and they was talking about the layoffs at ESPN years ago. How come Stephen A didn't get laid off? Some idiot that that, that worked for Sports Illustrated at the time. I was like, yo, I don't lose money for the company. I make money. That's why I'm there. Because my presence on the air brings in revenue. And that revenue is what enables others to get paid. I am not a minus or a subtraction to my employers. I'm an asset. And when I talk to y'all about what y'all need to do, I talk about being an asset in whatever your chosen profession is. It ain't just punching the clock, going to work, punching the clock, doing whatever your obligations are and going home. It's about elevating yourself to a point where you are a damn asset. So somebody can look at you and appreciate what the hell you're bringing, and look at it as having monetary value since none of us are working for free. That's what it is. And I believe in bringing money in. That's what I'm about. That is what LeBron James has done for decades. He deserves a no-trade clause. In fact, I'll go this far. When he retires, he deserves the Jordan treatment. Remember when Jordan would go from arena to arena and they would honor him? That's the same way Kobe went from arena to arena and they would honor him. That's exactly what LeBron James deserves. Every single arena in the National Basketball Association should have a special ceremony honoring LeBron James when it is all over. We will miss him when he is gone. He's that special and he deserves a no trade clause. Last on my list, Steph Curry, the baby face assassin, the greatest shooter God has ever created. That dude, there's nothing to debate here. He's a two-time league MVP. He's a four-time champion. He's the all-time three-point shooting sniper. He is the greatest shooter on the planet Earth. And what makes it worse, not only is he the greatest shooter on the planet Earth, I'm not talking currently. I'm talking about since human beings were placed on planet Earth, to my knowledge. Since James A. Naismith invented the game of basketball. Since the late, great John McClendon revolutionized and evolutionized the game of basketball. There has never been in the history of this game. I want to hear Mad Dog Russo and others talking to you about Sam Jones or Larry Bird and all of these other people. The basketball shooting, the shooting off the dribble, the shooting standing still from the key from the wing, from the corner, from 20, from 30, from 40, sometimes from 50 feet, off the dribble, standing still, you know, floaters in the lane, the list goes on and on. It doesn't matter! When it comes to shooting the basketball, there is no one that has ever been greater than Steph Curry with the versatility of ways in which he can shoot the basketball, not to be me his movement without the basketball. There's never been anyone like him. Ever. Ever. And do you know what his friends tell me? His friends say to me, his teammates say to me. It's nothing compared to what he is as a person. Family man, God-fearing, disciplined. The media... For the Golden State Warriors needed the players to do something for them. And it disrupted this schedule. Do you know what the players said to the media relations department of the Warriors? We have to check with number 30 first. Number 30, that's Steph Curry. He ain't the president of basketball operations. He ain't the coach. He ain't the owner. But they had to check with him first. Because they know who their leader is. On and off the court, there is no debate. If he went to Joe Laker and said, I want a no-trade clause, he'll have a no-trade clause. They will never separate. I know Joe Laker personally. Successful, highly successful owner, a billionaire. Love the guy personally. I have a great relationship with him. Joe Lacob loves making money, loves it. He'd lose money for Steph Curry. He'd lose money for Steph Curry. That's how deified Steph Curry is. Plain and simple. Steph Curry, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Nikola Jokic, and Jason Tatum. As far as I'm concerned, they're the only five players in the NBA who deserve a no trade clause. Love, Bradley Bill. Props to you and your agent Mark Balderstein. How the hell you get a no-trade clause is beyond me. That's reserved for rarefied air. I didn't even mention Kevin Durant having a no-trade clause. Think about that. Got a lot of stuff to get into. I'm not finished. I got a couple of things on my mind I'm pissed off about. I'll be back with more in a minute. You're watching The Stephen A. Smith Show. Don't touch that dial.
1: This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high?
0: Thank you. Stay tuned right here on Stephen A Smith's show. Uh, coming at Trippy Monday, Wednesday and Friday at the very very least. Um Right here on YouTube, 4 p.m. Eastern time, 1 p.m. Pacific. Uh, Stephen A. Smith Show. Like and subscribe. Don't forget to hit the bell so you can get notified when we go live, please. Um, make sure that you do that because my subscribers continue to grow. I got the numbers right in front of me, y'all. I mean, I'm I'm I'm, 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 I'm approaching 200,000 subscribers in just five months. Ain't nothing but love for y'all. Ain't nothing but love. I love that. Um, Let me tell you what I don't love. I don't like racist shit. As a black man, I am fully aware of our nation's history. One of the reasons that I don't lament it as much as a lot of us are inclined to do, because sometimes I don't like to engage in futility. You know how somebody asks you, how's everything? And they'll tell you everything's fine. And you know they're lying, but they'll turn around and say, it doesn't matter because nobody would listen anyway. That's what I feel about things that I think inch toward racist tendencies and with our politicians folks are inclined to say stuff about them along those lines I've never been one to and the reason I'm never one to is because I look at most politicians as just doing whatever it takes to get votes I've seen plenty of politicians misrepresent who they are just because whatever they're projecting with curry votes at the polls during election time. And if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. I knew Donald Trump before Donald Trump ever decided to run for the presidency. And I'm here to tell you something right now. He was nothing like what we've seen since he's been president. Nothing. Nothing. You got black folks all over the place calling him all types of names. They, were, they We've been appalled by his behavior, his insensitivity, et cetera, et cetera. He was the complete antithesis of that when he was running his casino, when he was throwing boxing matches, when he was trying to become an owner of an NFL team, when he would show up to NBA basketball games, and when he had his show, The Apprentice. You know what I'm saying? Do For the love of money. Remember that intro? When I had him on my show, Quite Frankly, on ESPN2, that man came out to that song, and it was hype. He actually let me touch his hair to prove that it wasn't a Tupac. That's how far back Donald Trump and I went. Once he became president, I don't know who the hell he was. Once he ran for president, I mean, my God, when he announced his presidency, he offended half of the American population inside of 15 minutes. But I digress. What pisses me off is that today is Juneteenth. Juneteenth, for those of you who who don't know, commemorates when America's last enslaved people Learned of their freedom on June 19th, 1865 in Galveston, Texas. That was more than two years after President Abraham Lincoln signed into law the Emancipation Proclamation. Officially ending slavery. It just took two additional years to get the word out to the folks in Galveston, Texas because folks there didn't know, and you don't have the internet like you do today, and you didn't have FedEx and UPS and all of this other stuff. It took a while for folks to get the message. I'm not about to sit here and educate you about slavery. Number one, because there are plenty of people more qualified than me who do an even better and more eloquent job of doing so themselves. But two, and more importantly, we all know what it entails. The oppression that black Americans received, the disenfranchisement, the murders, the rapes, the maims, the maiming, the brutal forms of oppression that were exacted against a nation of people of color. We all know all of that. Everybody knows that. That's why there was a civil war. We got it. Which is why Juneteenth exists, which is why it's so important. It's like Black Independence Day. We all get that, right? Then why in the hell am I reading some damn story about Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida and Mike Pence, the former vice president, the former governor of Indiana, both GOP candidates for the presidency, For this coming 2024, being still hell bent and committed on recognizing Confederate holidays. How is that possible? How is that possible? Now, I can take this two ways, actually, more than two ways. At the very least, I can label it highly racially sensitive because I hearken back to the former owner of the then Washington Redskins. His name was Jack Kent Cook. And he was speaking defiantly about his refusal to change their name, which was offensive to Native Americans. And I remember him being Interviewed by my long lost buddy who's passed away years ago, who was one of the greatest sportscasters to have ever graced American society. His name was George Michaels. I knew him personally. He was a friend. And I miss him every day. Mike Wilbon and Tony Kornizer, a part of the interruption on ESPN. Uh, they worked as columnists for The Washington Post. They worked on his shows all the time. The other David Dupree from USA Today years ago got arrested. So all of these guys were very, very close to George Michaels. Not, I, I w- They were closer to him than I was because they knew him longer, but I was close to him. And George Michael had interviewed Jack Kent Cutt about that. And Jack Kent could refused to change the name. And then he interviewed, George Michael interviewed one of their stars and his name was Charles Mann. And they asked him about the name change. And he said, how do you feel about it? He said, it doesn't matter. It's how they feel. If they're the offended party, and they're telling you this is offensive to their culture, we have an obligation to listen and to heed their words as human beings and heighten our level of sensitivity to that. See, what bothers me about DeSantis and Pence in this particular situation where they're speaking in North Carolina at the GOP State Convention June 9th and 10th. And, G- and, and and DeSantis sits there and declares at the convention, it's an iconic name, talking about Fort Bragg, which was changed to Fort Liberty in the aftermath of the George Floyd murder and the, and the, and the, and the riots that took place and the protests that took place in the streets throughout America. DeSantis says it's an iconic name, an iconic base, and we're not going to let political correctness run amok in North Carolina. At that same gathering, former Vice President Mike Pence pledged a day later, we will end the political correctness in the hallways of the Pentagon and North Carolina. Ladies and gentlemen, they're talking about changing the military base back to Fort Bragg. Well, who's Fort Bragg? Bragg graduated from West Point, served in the U.S. military at one point, but by the time of the Civil War, he owned a Louisiana sugar plantation and had 105 enslaved people. According to Bruce Levin, an emeritus history professor, uh, Bragg, quote, enthusiastically, if poorly, helped lead an army insurrection against the United States government that tried to break up the union and preserve slavery. That's Fort Bragg. This is the same people that want to celebrate Robert F. Lee and his birthday. Did you know that in the year 2024, eight states still celebrate or recognize Robert F. Lee's birthday? Let me give those states to you. Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, North Carolina, and Tennessee. Two of them who happen to be Alabama and Mississippi, they actually celebrate Robert F. Lee on Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday. A man of peace and nonviolence, who never wanted to harm anybody and was willing to be harmed for the sake of a better America to make America into the mosaic it swore to be. They want to disrespect Dr. Martin Luther King's holiday like that. The state of Alabama, as recently as 2020, introduced a bill to separate the two holidays, but it failed. Three states honor the birthday of Jefferson Davis. He was the president of the Confederacy. Okay, Who didn't want the United States, essentially. Those three states that honor the birthday of Jefferson Davis, Mississippi, Florida and Alabama, And by the way, in most states, just as a nugget, employers do not give the day off. And most people are not even aware that the day is happening, yet they are still recognized as holidays and are included on the official state calendar of the website. This is what is going on in the year 2023. So what's it going to be, Governor DeSantis? What's it going to be, former Vice President Mike Pence? Want to be called a racist? I'm not going to call you that. I'm not going to give you that ammunition. Nope, not going to do it. I'm going to call you racially insensitive. You know why? Because how do you think this makes black people feel? Do you care? Are you willing to say that you don't care? I mean, if you're going to go that far, if you're going to go as far as you're going, why don't you just admit it? See, this is the problem and this is the challenges that we have to confront. And by the way, they're following lockstep with with, with, uh, Donald Trump because... When he was the president, he promised to veto any bill that called for the names to be changed of some of these bases and did indeed veto it, but was over overridden by Congress. There was a Congress override that prevented him from doing it. Donald Trump knew that was going to happen. Let me tell you who Donald Trump is in this regard. He said what he said and he vetoed it. He knew it wasn't going to equate to anything, that what was going to happen as it pertained to the name changes was going to happen because Congress had the power to do that. He took that position because he knew it would make him look good to his constituency. And as a result, it would curry favor with them and they'd stand by him and they'd love his ball, whatever the case may be, and they continue to vote for him. You think that's what DeSantis and Pence ain't trying to do right now? One could easily argue that that's the reason for all of this stuff. Why else alienate a populace of this country? So we see what you're doing. Here's what really pisses me off. Well, actually, I already said what pissed me off, which is everything I just told you. But what takes it to another level is that I'm a registered independent. I actually want the Republicans and the Democrats not to be so divided. And the reason why I want that is because I want to get away from all of the demagoguery and to get back to focusing or to get to focusing on the issues. Who's better for the economy? Who's got a better immigration policy? Who's better as it pertains to health care in the United States? Pro-choice, pro-life. I want to get back to the issues so I can look at a candidate and say, that's the best candidate for America. I want that person. I can't do that. Because when I see stuff like this, I take that back. When I see shit like that. There's only one way to go, and that's to the left. Because if you're willing What is the harm? Tell me as a politician why it's so important for you. You're going to lose votes with those waving Confederate flags in their homes. You're going to lose votes with those who got Confederate flag stickers on their trucks. You're going to lose votes with conservatives who don't necessarily parade around espousing their political ideologies. But we know what they're going to do when they go to the polls. You're not going to lose any votes. You don't have to alienate people in our country by saying, bump what the hell you feel, bump what you endured. We don't give a damn that you're ultra sensitive to the Confederacy and Confederate flags and the history involving the the Civil War and the oppression and the degradation and the cruelty and the murder that has taken place in our country. We know you don't care. We got it. But once upon a time, we cared about how things would be projected for the sole express purpose of promoting the need and the desire for a more civilized and tranquil society. This may secure Pence and DeSantis' base. But what you're doing by engaging in these acts, which will curry you no more votes. Those who are going to vote for you are going to vote for you anyway. And those who are not, won't. But what these actions encourage is a civil war. And when you do things like this to snub folks history in their face in such a way that so grossly affects, affects and offends them, you're inviting a civil war. And if you're inviting a civil war, you are not about peace. And you certainly are not about what's in the best interest of the United States of America. You're about you. And I thought we had enough of that. I guess I was wrong. More with the Stephen A. Smith Show in a minute to close out the show. You're watching the Stephen A. Smith Show. Don't go anywhere.
1: This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high?
0: <sighs> Closing out that particular subject. I got a text message from one of my boys. It's a headline on YouTube. Quote, Kurt Schilling former pitcher in Major League Baseball, Boston Red Sox, Philadelphia Phillies, along with various others, Kurt Schillen says on Fox News, quote, he wants to stop talking and start pulling triggers. See what I'm talking about? I'll deal with him another day. I ain't his biggest fan. And he's not mine. And I like it that way. Anyway, I want to transition to a subject before I get on out of here. Um, And this is a weird kind of subject for me because, ladies and gentlemen, you will find, you will be hard pressed to find anyone on the planet Earth that cares less about the royal family than me. I don't give a damn about the royal family. I don't mean anything like negative, like, oh, my goodness, I want something to happen to them or nothing like that. I just don't care. Princess Diana seemed like a very, very nice lady. Very, very sorry that she passed away in a car accident years ago when the paparazzis were chasing her. I mean, we can't miss that story. You couldn't watch anything else on television. It took up all the airwaves. But God bless and rest her soul. Queen Elizabeth, you know, y'all go ahead and celebrate her. But, you know, you're a black person, particularly with immigrant parents like myself. You've got a different history a different lens, rather, that you view history when it comes to the royal family than, say, some of these folks fawning over them in the United States of America. But that's neither here nor there. I'll let Piers Morgan tell you all about that stuff. I like him, by the way. Um but Megan Markle, can I tell y'all why I was in, why I'm why I'm interested in her? Because I used to love suits. Remember that show? Suits? I loved Suits. Oh, that was a great show. I mean, Harvey, the, the star of the show, big time lawyer. I mean, his brother was something special. I loved Harv, okay? And I loved his relationship with Donna, secretary. I mean, I loved all of that. I love suits. Okay, I did. And obviously Meghan Markle departed from that because she connected with Prince Harry and she became royalty. And as a result, you know, she, you know, she, she, she's, uh, what is it? I don't even know what that, see, I don't even know, y'all. Is it the the Princess of Sussex or what? I don't know. I don't know. They're Prince Harry. uh, Duchess, the Duchess of Sussex. Okay. Whatever. My, my sister Samantha just told me. I didn't know. I don't know this stuff. Okay. Okay. Beautiful kids there. Okay, very nice. No, 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 no aspersions. But uh, uh you know, they're making news because they got dropped by Spotify. Had a $20 million deal left their podcast after only 12 episodes. Ladies and gentlemen, I I can do 12 episodes in my sleep. 12 episodes, 20 million dollars. 20 million dollars. 20 million. Meghan Markle. Obviously I'm, I'm looking at that figure staggeringly, but then hell you thought I was bad. Bill Simmons went off. Now, Bill Simmons is my contemporary former colleague with me at ESPN, has his own stuff, The Ringer, you know, podcast network, runs, Is it, it moved up the ranks to an executive at Spotify. I like Bill. I respect the hell out of Bill. By the way, he was a best-selling author. You know, book on basketball. I mean, huge Boston Celtics fan, the whole bit. I respect the hell out of Bill Simmons. Ain't no, ain't no shade here. But Bill Simmons was going off. I mean, nobody seemed happier that. Is it the Duchess of Sussex? The Duchess of Sussex? Is that accurate? The Duchess of Sussex? Let me make sure I got that right. I don't know. The Duchess of Sussex, along with Prince Harry, Bill Simmons seemed very happy they were gone. Listen to what he had to say here. Listen to this.
2: I, I have, I'm going to pose this question to you. you. You do a lot of business deals, a lot of negotiations.
0: I do? Well,
2: let, let's just. I wish I had been involved in the Megan and Harry leave Spotify negotiation. <laughs> the fucking grifters. That's a podcast we should have launched with them. <laughs> um, I got to get drunk one night and tell the story of the Zoom I had with Harry to try to help him with a podcast idea. Do
0: it. It's one of my best stories. Dude, we,
2: there hasn't been a Drunk let's Simmons just, podcast. Let's both get drunk, drunk and Simmons. then we'll just be drunk. Save that idea. <laughs> It'll be
0: really the fucking, easy. The grifters. Here's my. Ladies and gentlemen, I pride myself on having a relatively extensive vocabulary. I never knew what the hell grifters meant, so I had to look it up, and there it is. A grifter is a con artist, someone who swindles people out of their money through fraud. That is what Bill Simmons called Prince Harry and the Duchess of Sussex, Meghan Markle. In all seriousness, he's qualified to say that I am not because I know nothing of them. I know nothing about their deal. I'm appalled that my daughter could tell me more about it because I'm like, why are you watching that? For what? What purpose does that serve? And then I realized that. Although I wouldn't call them any names and I certainly wouldn't be derogatory or incendiary towards them on a a personal level. I thought Bill Simmons was a bit excessive with that. I didn't think that was necessary. But then again, he works at Spotify, not me. So he knows more than I would ever know about that particular situation, which means it came from a personal place. Having said all of that, I will acknowledge that he did crystallize what he meant when he said what he said. Listen to this quote. Talking about Prince Harry. What does he do? It's one of those things where it's like, what's your talent? Why are we listening to you? So you were born in a royal family and then you left. You live in fucking Montecito. And you're just like, you sell documentaries and podcasts. And nobody cares what you have to say about anything unless you're talking about the royal family. And you just complain about them. Ladies and gentlemen, That part is true. It's got to a point where if Prince Harry and Meghan Markle—I'm sorry, the Duchess of Sussex—if Prince Harry and the Duchess of Sussex ain't complaining about the royal family, I don't know if anybody cares what they have to say. I'm quite sure. You know, she got friends like Gwyneth Paltrow and others. And I love me some Gwyneth Paltrow. Great. I love seeing her with Iron Man. I love seeing her in adventures and stuff like that. Love Gwyneth Paltrow. Okay. And your friendships are your business. And I'm not here to cast any aspersions. I'm simply making the point. I'm not trying to dog Meghan Markle like uh, the Duchess of Sussex. I'm not trying to dog her like she doesn't have any talent or anything like that. She did damn good on it. I love suits. Matter of fact, I'm going to go watch it again. I'm going to watch it again. I love that show. okay. but what I'm saying is you don't really care about what they have to say unless they're insulting their family. And then you got half the people in Great Britain that can't stand them because they insult their own family. And then you have some people who kind of feel empathetic towards them and stuff like that. Again, check out Piers Morgan. Go talk to him. He knows all about that stuff. I don't. I never cared. But when Bill Simmons said that, I was like, damn, he does have a point. And then if you're an executive for Spotify and you doled out or you committed to doling out 20 million because we don't know if they got the whole 20 million. And they only do 12 episodes. Oh, that's a reason to be pissed. Take it one step further. If during the 12 episodes, Meghan Markle, I mean, the Duchess of Sussex. If during the 12 episodes. where it's talking about how, you know, you 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 got in this, the series dug into the labels that try to hold women back. According to its description on the platform, had guests like Serena Williams, Mariah Carey, Mindy Kaling, Spotify, and Archerwell, the podcast company owned by Markle and Prince Harry. You parted ways after one season. You only gave 12 episodes. And oh, by the way, according to the reports, Some are saying Meghan Markle, I mean, the Duchess of Sussex, did not conduct the interviews herself. Pod News has reported that they have multiple sources who say some interviews on the show were done by other staffers. With Meghan's questions edited in afterwards. Oh, that's a reason to be pissed if you Bill Simmons and Spotify. Again, I know nothing you can't find a human being on this planet planet, less interested in the royal family than me. There's a figurehead position. They don't run anything. They don't run the government. It's just history there. Only time I was interested in the royal family was when there was some clause involving the royal family that Disney used against DeSantis Months ago that a the dated back centuries. If not, if not damn now, yeah, centuries. I don't care. Anything, I mean, as human beings, I care. I don't want anything happen to but I don't care anything in terms of interest. There is nothing that is remotely appealing to me about the royal family. Zero. This, however, by Bill Simmons. Ladies and gentlemen, I would have, I might have kept out the cuss words. I might not have called them grifters, which means con artist. But if that happened. And that's accurate. Bill Simmons is justified in saying what he said. I can't deny that. That's it for today's show. I got to get on out of here. Appreciate y'all listening. I'll be back in a couple of days. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'm here. Obviously, I'm going on vacation in a couple of weeks or so, so you might not see me for a couple of days. might have something for you, though. I might have something for you. I'm going to have Governor Christie, former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie, coming up here. You know what I'm saying? I know the man. He's going to be on this show. I'm also extending invitations to all presidential candidates. I'm not running from anybody. If I'm going to interview Chris Christie, I'm going to interview everybody else. Okay? I got no problems with it whatsoever. Democrat, Republican, independent, anybody who's resonating that the people want to hear from, if they want to come on this show and be questioned by me, I invite it. Chris Christie was the first to accept my invitation. I sincerely hope he won't be the last. He'll be on sometime this week. I'll be back on at least a couple of times this week. But until then, y'all be safe. God bless. Have a a beautiful evening. Peace and love, everybody. Until next time. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.